0: to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Here's what I'd like to cover in this particular episode. I would like to cover the use of fentanyl within American K-12 schools and universities and sort of shoot a warning out to everybody regarding this. This is something, of course, that has been around for quite some time. It's something that's not going away. In fact, I would go so far as to say that it's ramping up and going to get worse as as the days and months and years pass here fentanyl use within american k12 schools and keep in mind i don't consider fentanyl to be a drug per se i would consider it to be a biological weapon it certainly behaves that way and i don't know anybody that casually uses fentanyl nor have i ever heard of fentanyl being a casually used drug it's one of these substances that is again Laced within other casually used drugs, and it ends up getting endless people killed, frankly, and certainly poisoned. Um, But but I'm going to go into that in detail what it is, where it comes from, and then some recent stories regarding fentanyl use, again, in American K 12 schools and other places as well. Once I'm done with that, I have some listener emails that I want to get to that are jab related. AJ Gochick. Our favorite uh, California lawyer had got in touch with me and sent me some text messages regarding some of his extended family members and the health-related problems that they've had, and a couple of stories regarding his daughter's friends. And his daughter is now homeschooling, which is great, whereas previously she wasn't before, but now she is. And uh, you know, th- these are the kind of familial things that are occurring with a lot of us. And I think are just going to continue to be the case because, again, some people are waking up and a lot of people are not. And uh, and there's just an awful lot of health effects associated with what's going on right now. And, again, this isn't something that's going to get better with time. This is something that is going to get worse. And more and more people are, again, sort of trying to remind others that uh, the coming months are going to be very tough for a great deal of people. And unless these individuals start to realize what they've done to themselves and what they've done to other people, um, th- th- they're not going to learn from their, from their past mistakes and they're just going to repeat their past mistakes. Uh, and, and then again, maybe not even spend any time learning about what they've done to themselves and what they might be able to do to at least remedy some certain situations if they can even be remedied. I'm not sure if they can or not but I want to get into that also. And then a couple of stories here just to sort of wrap up that are both jab-related and media-related, because again, these media companies that pushed all of this on endless people, including their own employees, are starting to crack a little bit, and their own employees are starting to crack a little bit, and these are some of the things that I've brought up in the past, how you can start to see the egg on the face of the individuals who work for these media organizations and are on television on a, on a consistent basis, and they're starting to come to the realization that maybe they don't have it all figured out. Is it quite possible that the news organization that they've worked for throughout the majority of their career and has probably paid them copious amounts of money doesn't have the interests of the American people at heart nor in mind? And is it possible that perhaps those very media organizations consistently censor the truth and then use their own employees as pawns in order to carry out their nefarious ends and means and and what have you? So I'll get into that uh, toward the end as well. So first, fentanyl in schools. Okay. Um, A little background on fentanyl first. This comes from therecoveryvillage.com, and again, this has to do with the history and trafficking of fentanyl. So first of all, examining where fentanyl comes from and how it gets into the United States is key to understanding how fentanyl affects so many lives across the country, is what it says. It says, quote, fentanyl is one of the deadliest opioids in the world. Sadly, it's risen in popularity as the opioid epidemic continues to claim lives throughout the United States. Each year, thousands of Americans overdose and die from using fentanyl. Many times, people are unaware that the substance they're consuming is spiked with fentanyl. Many people are curious about how fentanyl became so widespread since it's such a deadly drug. Examining where fentanyl comes from, and how it gets into the United States is key to understanding how fentanyl affects so many lives across the country. Article at a glance. It says the following. Fentanyl gets smuggled into the United States from Mexico, Canada, and China. Fentanyl is usually produced and trafficked out of China. Fentanyl was created in 1959 as an anesthetic and pain reliever. The history of fentanyl. The company, Janssen Pharmaceutica, First developed fentanyl in 1959. Then it was primarily used as an anesthetic and pain reliever for medical purposes. During the 1960s, fentanyl started to be used as an intravenous anesthetic called sublimase. It wasn't until the mid 1990s that the fentanyl patch was introduced and could be used in the treatment of chronic pain. After the introduction of the patch, other ways of delivering fentanyl were introduced like the Actiq lollipop, A-C-T-I-Q. Wow. An actual pain-relieving lollipop. Go figure. I wonder who that's directed for. Children, maybe? Where does fentanyl come from? Where does fentanyl come from in regards to illicit use? Most fentanyl in the United States comes from China. China isn't where fentanyl originated, but because of the lack of regulations in the pharmaceutical industry there, the country is a large distributor of drugs and chemicals that are illegal in other countries. China exports many different drugs of fentanyl products, including raw fentanyl, fentanyl analogs, and counterfeit prescription drugs, drugs, rather, like oxycodone, that are laced with fentanyl. While some fentanyl comes directly from China, many other Chinese shipments of fentanyl will enter the United States through Mexico. Fentanyl may come through Canada before entering the United States, though it is uncommon. There are different ways in which smugglers get fentanyl into the United States. In 2015, United States border agents seized approximately 200 pounds of fentanyl, among other synthetic opioids. In comparison, in 2014, they seized around 8 pounds. China has shown interest in preventing fentanyl from being exported from their country illegally. There was also a piece of legislation signed into law in October of 2008 in the United States called the Synthetics Trafficking and Overdose Prevention Act. Despite these efforts, fentanyl remains one of the most problematic opioids in the United States. Unquote. Ah, legislation. Legislation that seeks to eliminate drug trafficking almost always has the exact opposite effect. In fact, what we have seen more often now is the distribution of naloxone or Narcan, which you'll hear in this audio clip here in just a minute. But there are more tents popping up. There are more schools that are keeping naloxone on hand. And the problem with all of this, of course, is that that is the end result and the response to the end result after an individual comes in contact with fentanyl. In fact, it is so potent and has been discussed at length by endless individuals over the course of years that an individual can simply be around a person who is in possession of fentanyl and those people can suffer from cardiac arrest. They can have fentanyl dust on their clothes, smell it, and then suffer cardiac arrest and lose consciousness. Uh, It does not have to be orally ingested. It does not have to be smoked injected whatever. I also bring this up for a variety of reasons, but one of them, of course, is that fentanyl, fentanyl use, or I should say just fentanyl poisoning is really how to best describe it, I think, is not a new thing within American K-12 schools or university settings, and it is unfortunately something that has taken the lives of endless human beings. In fact, it's arguably one of the leading causes of death within the United States from a drug related standpoint. And again, this is something that's not, you know, it's just not receiving a ton of attention. I mean, think about all of the things right now that we're being inundated with as a society and as the human race. I mean, it's it's voter fraud, it's Marxism, it's drag queen story hours, it's a variety of different things, you know, don't look over here but look over here. You know, let's watch the queen's uh, the queen of England's fake funeral over here. She's been dead a long time, but let's pay attention to it over here instead of focusing on this. One of the things I think that is likely to occur, and again, y- you talk about something that I don't think you'd be able to hide and certainly not something that would even require crisis actors because it would just be too real. And we're not talking about a fake shooting per se, but if you wanted to wipe out an American K-12 school, it would be rather easy to do if an individual was in possession of legitimate fentanyl. And I'm clearly not advocating for this because I'm not a psychopath, but if an individual really wanted to take out an American K-12 school, that's how they could do it. They could wipe it out. They could provide cardiac arrest to every single individual within a K-12 school by purposefully placing the fentanyl in strategic locations within an American K-12 school, and that would be the end of it. Whether it be bathrooms, a cafeteria, the hallways, just sprinkling it around and, and putting it even on objects, doorknobs, whatever. Again, I'm not, I'm not trying to strategize how to get that done because I don't want that to happen. My point is, is that there have been numerous cases, again, where students will bring it to school for the purposes of passing it out to their friends or selling it to their friends, even if it is an additive on top of another kind of drug, whether it, again, be an ingestible pill of some kind or marijuana or whatever it may be. And then, uh, not only do they become sick, but even staff members who intervene become sick, and then in many cases, students themselves who ingest these drugs will become sick and/ or die. So my point is is that this isn't a new thing. I would be on the lookout for this uh, for, for this basically ramping up. And again, if you were interested in being a member of the deep state, so to speak, and the satanic cult that does exist. And you wanted a massive loss of life, this would certainly be one of the ways that you could do it. Again, when it comes to other drugs, you never hear about the numbers quite like the way you do with fentanyl. With fentanyl, they'll always say this person was in possession of this amount or this many pounds enough to kill millions of people. Whereas if a person gets caught with a bag of cocaine, or a kilo of cocaine, they're not going to say, enough to kill millions of people. Well, they were caught with half an ounce of marijuana, enough to kill millions of people. It's never the case with those drugs, which again are remarkably harmful also. But, when it comes to fentanyl, it's a biological weapon. So in the hands of individuals who are used to using biological weapons, why would they not want to implant it within a a K-12 school environment? In particular, I might add, to sort of give this another nefarious turn, why would they not want to implant it within all of these schools that have updated AC units and all of these updated uh, air filtration units? I mean, you toss fentanyl into one of those, what happens? Is everybody going to be breathing the same air? Probably. Are there going to be massive poisonings? Possibly. Again, I'm not laying out a plan here on how to get this done because I don't want this to happen. I'm simply saying this is likely to happen. And, and I just think that from a cautionary standpoint, people would do well to pay attention to that. You've heard me say this before, and this right here again, all of this fentanyl information which I'm going to continue with here in just a second but it it adds another variable into the scheme and a completely different element into why American K-12 schools today and even university settings but in particular K-12 schools from my perspective are arguably the most dangerous environment that a person can possibly be in right now that's just my take That's an educated take. I'm looking at the entire landscape. I'm trying to figure out how it can be a safe environment, and I just can't find it. Because, not just because of things like this, but as you've heard me say, American K-12 schools are so reactionary, it's disgusting. There's nothing proactive about them. They just usually get on the horse of a particular cause when one of their own has fallen or died as a result of said cause, or a lack of a cause being in place or whatever it may be. Like fentanyl, for example. Most school districts don't even think about it until all of a sudden something terrible happens. Now all of a sudden they become experts on it. This is a problem. There's a massive disconnect from Any preventative reality that a person should be living in, in my opinion, that would be a a nice vigilant place to stand in order to keep themselves and the people around them alive. I just don't think that this is happening often enough. I don't think that this education is happening, happening often enough. And again, we're seeing them take not a proactive stance, but a very reactionary stance, and a stance that would basically say, well, there's nothing we can do about it. There's nothing that we can do to keep fentanyl out of our school buildings or out of our district. So what we're going to do is, is we're just going to fill these schools with naloxone and Narcan shots. And that'll solve the problem. At least we'll be able to save a life once they've become poisoned. Well, how, how much naloxone do you have on campus? How much n- naloxone does a school nurse actually have in their cupboards? I'm going to guess they don't have enough shots for every single person in that building. Do you see my point here? This is, uh, this is a scenario that they haven't planned for. This is a, a false flag in the worst sense of the term, but real lives would be lost in this situation. So it's something to consider. It's another angle. I think it's, an, it's certainly another variable uh, th- that individuals, again, should keep in mind, in particular, if it comes to convincing you to homeschool your children and take your children out of these environments once and for all. It's just a dangerous environment, and you have people working within these environments that don't know much about this. And not just not knowing about it, I guess, that's not even, that's not even the worst part. Not knowing about it is one thing, but not recognizing that it is a thing is uh, is I think even worse that this is actually happening that people are losing their lives as a result of this, including staff members. And kicking it up a notch again, that a scenario, a biological weapons scenario, when it comes to fentanyl possession or fentanyl distribution or the purposeful distribution of fentanyl within strategic locations within a K-12 school building is a likely scenario. You know, how often do individuals who work within K-12 schools think of these kinds of scenarios? In my experience, the answer is next to zero. So that's just, uh, that's just one example. But let me play this audio. This comes from Central Texas. KVUE is the news outlet. And this had to do with, uh, again, the reactionary steps of introducing Narcan shots within Texas schools, certainly some within Central Texas school districts, and then, of course, how this was their reactionary response to students themselves actually dying from fentanyl use. Whether they, again, knew it or not, it was laced in other drugs or not, whatever, whatever the situation was, either way, it was a reactionary response. And I don't think this is a good enough response.
1: Now, with this increase and the recent overdose deaths in CISD, some other central Texas school districts are now taking action. Connor Board joins us down here in the studio. And, Connor, you touched base with some of those districts today. What steps are they taking to help protect students?
2: Brian, multiple school district leaders tell me seeing the overdose deaths in Hayes County is frightening and heartbreaking. They say it's something they hope to never see in their own districts, but they want to be as prepared as possible if they're faced with it. It's it's very scary. Scary for an educator to hear of multiple teenagers in a nearby school district dying from fentanyl. It's obviously
1: tragic anywhere you hear it, but when it's so close to home in a school, you know, a neighboring school district, I mean, any death is, is not okay, you know, and, it, and if there's anything we can do to prevent that, that's what we want to do. Even before the fentanyl
2: deaths at H.C.I.S.D., ISD, Assistant Superintendent of Curriculum Molly May at Eanes ISD so they were making changes. I believe last year is the first year that we
1: um, purchased Narcan for all of our campuses. They even put Narcan in elementary schools. We made that decision because, you know, we have adults on all of our campuses, um, and you know, wanted to make sure that you know whoever was on our campus that we could serve them if needed.
2: But their goal is to prevent overdoses from happening in the first place. Following the HCISD overdose deaths. EANS ISD put up a new web
1: page with fentanyl information and resources. It takes such a small amount of fentanyl to, you know, have an overdose and cause a death. And I don't know that everyone knows that. They also educate the kids in school. EAN's ISD requires a high school health class. Where opioids are part of the curriculum. It's really important that, you know, we're educating our students and giving them an opportunity and access to that information.
2: Although Narcan is now on campuses, they hope the tools they have in place will prevent them from
1: ever having to use it. Because all we want to do is help. And it's not about judging. It's not about, you know, getting people in trouble. It's how do we, how do we help you? And
2: Eanes ISD is not the only school district stocked with NARCAN. Out of the school districts we heard back from today, Lockhart ISD, Wimberley ISD, Haysey ISD, Hutto ISD, and Round Rock ISD all have NARCAN on some or all of their campuses. But Pflugerville ISD, Lake Travis, and Johnson City said they do not. You can read more about the overdose prevention measures of all of those districts on KVU.com. Ryan?
1: Connor Board, reporting live for us here in the studio. Connor, thank you.
0: Again, at face value, this is a reactionary response. I mean, she might as well, she, th- that principal or superintendent might as well have been saying, well, we have arm slings. Now we have just arm slings everywhere, you know, in case people break their arms. We're so glad we have boxes of arm slings. What is that doing? What is that really doing? Well, we have casts in case everybody breaks their legs, you know, because broken legs are a serious problem. I mean, how about you spend a little more time trying to figure out why people would be breaking their legs or breaking their arms, metaphorically? I mean, why don't you get down to the real issue as to how fentanyl would even show up within a K 12 school? There's another problem I have with this, and this is very common for those that may be unaware. And I know this differs from district to district and um, county to county, state to state, but there are endless school districts that give endless chances to students who bring drugs to school. They'll look at an entire student's past, for example, if they're caught with drugs, and they'll say, well, they're not a previous offender. They've never gotten in trouble. They have decent grades. We caught them with drugs, so what do we do? And then they have a step process that they typically engage in where they might send them to some county program where they remain there or learn there for a series of weeks while they're suspended from school, and they learn about drugs and drug use, and why not to use them, and why not to possess them, and sell them in XYZ. and Maybe they talk with a prisoner or an ex-prisoner about their drug use, sale, possession, whatever it may be. And and again, they just end up coming right back to school. Uh, These people who bring drugs to school should be arrested. They should be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law and they should be expelled immediately from the school. It doesn't matter who they are, what their paperwork is, but again, this is the problem. This is just like the kind of thing that you're seeing in Illinois with what's apparently going to happen there again in uh, around the 1st of January this coming year with no more cash bails and just bail isn't going to be a thing anymore. You know, individuals will be arrested and then released and so on and so forth. And then you may have seen that particular footage again that was bouncing around uh, New York City of a guy who's in a New York City McDonald's. And, uh, He's starting trouble with a bunch of people and then some people start to punch him and he just stands there and he acts like it's no big deal and then he walks over to his backpack and he pulls out an axe. And he starts bashing glass and bashing tables with his axe and he slaps this just really weak white dude who's sitting there with a girl, you know, a girlfriend of his and and whatever else and knocks him out of the chair and wails on him and everybody's just standing around letting this happen. Well, the guy was detained and then he was let go. This is the problem with American K-12 schools and society as a whole. See, we're teaching minors that this kind of behavior is not going to be punishable with any serious consequence whatsoever. I mean, it'll take somebody to die in order for something to actually happen. So, I don't like the response I understand that they probably think that beyond having a website as a school district and having a health class where you hope that the subject is covered accurately, uh, that you know that that's going to be enough. But the fact is, is that you've got to turn students into little police officers, so to speak, within K-12 schools so that if they hear that someone has drugs on them, that those students feel comfortable enough coming to an adult because someone's life might be on the line if they don't say something and then someone ends up taking something for which they think is one thing when in fact it ends up being something else. You know, these schools don't know what they have coming their way with these kinds of potentials for for a serious biological attack, again, just from a fentanyl standpoint. I, I don't think that they're able to even grasp the totality of what that would mean, because the surrounding area where they live would would not forgive these people. these school district officials, school board members, uh, any surviving staff members that would you know that would still remain you know that many of them would, again, take the defensive mode. Well, we've done everything we can, we're proactive, and don't criticize us, we've just done everything that we can possibly do. I mean, that's what they would say, and it's absurd. It's ridiculous, because they don't know what they're doing. Again, look at the jabs, for Christ's sake. Look what they've done with this entire mask and jab rollout over the last year and a half. Their own words have gotten countless people killed. What makes anybody think that something more deadly? I mean, you walk past a vial of a COVID-19 bioweapon and you smell it, you're not going to die. But not, th- not true with fentanyl. I mean, they just don't, they're not in a position to be able to handle this is, my, is sort of my overall summary. They have no idea how to handle this. Again, let me give you another example, and this is just from a basic search standpoint, a basic internet search. If you get on a search engine, just like if you were looking up recent student or staff member deaths as, as related to the shots, if you type in fentanyl deaths in school and you take off all of the filters and your search is narrowed just within the last month, you're going to find a variety of stories. Um, I've done this on start page, and I'm just gonna read again some of these search results. And as you would expect, some of them are are repetitious because they're coming from the same place. But this first one was from August 23rd. Three Hayes CISD students have died from suspected fentanyl use or fentanyl overdosing. It says fourth Hayes CSID student confirmed to have died of fentanyl. Student detained in connection with teen's fentanyl overdose and fatal overdose. Teen girl dead from fentanyl-laced pills at Hollywood School is latest to pass away. L.A. Times. Multiple overdoses and death at high school in Hollywood. Again, same story, same story, same story, um, same story. The point is, is that you can search this. And figure out what's going on for the most part nationwide, in particular if the cause of death is revealed as being a fentanyl poisoning of some kind. Again, I, I just don't think that they are prepared for any of this. In fact, let me read this Los Angeles Times story very quickly. And again, this was just from uh, just from last week. Bakersfield student 13 arrested after middle school employee exposed to fentanyl. It says a middle school student was arrested in Bakersfield last week after bringing fentanyl pills to school and causing a school employee to overdose, authorities said. The Bakersfield Police Department responded to a report of a 13-year-old student at Chipman Junior High School possessing fentanyl on Friday at about 9.05 a.m., police said in a Facebook post. While police were on the way to the school, they received a report of a yard supervisor possibly overdosing effort after coming into contact with the pills, authorities said. A Kern High School District police officer arrived at the scene and administered Narcan, a medication used to treat opioid overdoses, to the school employee who was taken to the hospital in stable condition. Police said they discovered the student brought to school about 150 fentanyl pills, which were disguised as Percocet painkiller pills. The yard supervisor discovered the pills after the student got into a fight with another student police said adding that the 13-year-old also had about $300 on them. The student was arrested on suspicion of possession of a controlled substance for sales purposes. Authorities said they don't know if if pills had been sold and distributed to other students. The investigation into how the student got the pills is ongoing. Police encouraged parents To have conversations with their children about the dangers of fentanyl, which can be disguised as other drugs, unquote. There's just no, there's no more unsafe environment than an American K-12 school. There just isn't. This comes from Gateway Pundit. Florida sheriff offices seize enough fentanyl to kill 1.5 million adults. This was just from two days ago. Florida Department. A Florida police department rather has announced that they seized enough fentanyl to kill 1.5 million people during a recent drug bust. The Jacksonville Sheriff's Office announced the massive drug bust in a tweet on Monday. JSO Narcotics Unit seized 3 kilos of fentanyl, 1.26 kilos of cocaine, and over 6,000 counterfeit pills containing fentanyl, enough fentanyl to kill 1.5 million adults the sheriff's office tweeted on Monday. It then says, Fox News reports that the announcement comes just days after police in Flagler County, Florida, which is just over 70 miles south of Jacksonville, announced the arrest of a fugitive with enough fentanyl to kill over 100,000 people. Fentanyl has become the largest driver of the U.S. opioid epidemic in recent years, with seizures of the drug spiking nearly 200% at the southern border in July. The highest amount seized in at least four fiscal years, the report added. Roughly 75% of all drug overdoses last year, approximately 80,000, were fentanyl-related. According to the U.S. Drug Enforcement Administration, fentanyl is a synthetic opioid that is 50 to 100 times stronger than morphine. Fentanyl is added to heroin to increase its potency or be disguised as a highly potent heroin, the DEA's website explains, Quote, Many users believe that they are purchasing heroin and actually don't know that they are purchasing fentanyl, which often results in overdose deaths. Clandestinely produced fentanyl is primarily manufactured in Mexico, Unquote. So, I'll just say this in summary. It's another element, it's another variable that makes American K-12 schools unsafe. And back in the day, again, when I taught health education, it's consistently referred to as cumulative risk. You cannot take one risky scenario in a risky environment and stack them on top of each other with risky, unknowledgeable people with a society that is unknowledgeable and refusing to address it and address the serious nature of it. On top of that, having some kind of a quote-unquote proactive response that is not proactive but only reactive and expect that entire Jenga tower to just remain standing. It just won't. And again, this is just another element that these environments are remarkably unsafe. I'm not not saying any of this to scare people. I'm simply saying this because this is happening. But we're not hearing about this with any regularity, and we're not hearing about this uh, certainly with any consistency, certainly from the mainstream media, nor, I guess, would we. I mean, again, it's government. Government is allowing these drugs to pour into our country these three-letter agencies are allowing these, these biological weapons to pour into our country. And we've seen, again, how the media responds to the pharmaceutical industry and how they're in each other's back pockets all of the time. Again, f- fentanyl is not a pharmaceutical agent anymore. It is a biological weapon. So... These American K-12 schools and university settings have no idea what they're doing when it comes to something this serious that could easily be used as a biological weapon attack on a building that could quite literally wipe out the people who work and inhabit said building. It's something to keep in mind. Again, if that's what you need and, that, and that's the factual information you need, again, to pull your children out of school, so be it. If that's the kind of information that you're glad that you're hearing on this show because it has justified and further justifies your decision to pull your children out of American K-12 schools and even university settings, then so be it. Perfect. Pat yourselves on the back. You're you're making a great decision. Okay. Shifting gears here. Here's uh, here's the text message I received from A.J. gocek Again, just to remind people a quick background, A.J.'s been a guest on the show on at least two or three occasions. Um, he's a patent lawyer in Palo Alto, California, in the belly of the beast, as it were. He has incredible perspective on what's going on, not just with his own family and his extended family members, but the people around him. And being that close to Stanford University is a is a big deal. You talk about being that close to a large population of young individuals and even older individuals who have taken these shots, uh, and and being an unjabbed person with an unjabbed immediate family as he has among his wife and children, being able to see this, this kind of reaction and the malaise that sort of washes over these, these college students without even thinking about what they're doing to themselves. And the same thing is true again with the professors and the administrators. Again, the stories that he has told on this show are absolutely incredible. And the part that I love too is that he has absolutely no problem and no fear about engaging these individuals regarding the distribution of these biological weapons in the forms of vaccines. Although all vaccines are biological weapons to some extent, um, but this right here, again, this story he tells, which I'm going to read here, lays out another example, and it's a heartbreaking example. So again, I would say let this be a lesson to anybody who's in a situation like this uh, that um, you know you have a role to play, and as an unjabbed individual, or even as a jabbed individual, if you've been Hurt by this, or you've learned that being jabbed is, is remarkably unhealthy and potentially problematic long term, which it certainly is, and, and has been, uh, you have a role to play when it comes to stopping people from doing this to themselves. So again, just a quick little background too, which he'll describe here briefly, but he's been on the show and discussed individuals who have lost their lives as a result of, of these shots, people that he knows. Neighbor, friends, friends of friends, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So he says the following here. He says, "Quote: Hey Sean, sorry for the late message, but while on my mind, I wanted to share some jab-related news with you. My wife's brother, the heart surgeon, had a heart attack two months ago. We found out about it just last night. The brother lives far away from us. He had an angioplasty, a stent placed in his in the artery. Rather." and has mostly recovered, but you never know what the short or long-term prognosis with that is and the jabs. I bring this up not out of any pleasure or anything, but the brother-in-law surgeon totally went along, actually bought into it is more accurate, with the whole COVID narrative since day one. Also, had his mom, my wife's mom, Get the jabs, and we know how that turned out. Stroke, then just last month, hospitalized with dangerously low sodium and high blood pressure, which are contradictions as treatment for low sodium can make blood pressure worse. I think the good doctor has to know this is jab related. He's only 48 years old. On different but related matter, my brother's neighbor across the street died a couple weeks ago. Here's my brother describing it to me in a text from today. It says from my brother, quote, One of my neighbors in Palo Alto just died from cancer. The bizarre part was they got a cancer diagnosis a month ago, then died two weeks later. They had no medical issues before the cancer diagnosis. It was an Asian female in her early 50s, and she was in good shape, walked regularly. She even attended the block party two weeks before she died, and you wouldn't have known she was dying or anything, unquote. I, of course, told him I was sorry about all of this, and I was curious as to why his uh, brother-in-law hid it, he hid that information about his uh, his heart condition there uh, You know, from the family. He said, quote, it's a good question. They said it was not to scare my wife, as she would have gotten on an airplane immediately and flown to be with him. My wife flew out to be with her mom after the stroke, and the most recent hospitalization with the low sodium and high blood pressure. But I think there may be more to it, and that he was all uh I'm sorry, that he was so full of hubris over his self-righteous stance on the murderous shot that he couldn't bear to tell my wife when the shot messed him up, like it messed up her own mother. And then of course, I said, "Yeah, makes sense a hundred percent." And then I brought this up, which matters, which is why I'm bringing this up. All of this matters. I, of course, have a niece and a nephew, and my niece has been sick now twice within the last month. Their parents, of course, are double-jabbed. My niece and nephew are not jabbed. But what does that mean? It means shedding. It means that when you attend an American K-12 school, you are around, as an unjabbed person, being jabbed enough is dangerous enough, as we know, but as an unjabbed individual, you are at risk of being shed on and becoming remarkably ill and ill more often because you are around at least 50%, upwards of 90 to 100% of the inhabitants of that building being jabbed. That, that is a big deal. Not to mention, you take 5G into account also. You see, these 5G towers, as you've heard me say, are in the parking lots of these school buildings. We know that the metal fragments, the graphene oxide, and the nanoparticles, these self-forming nanoparticles and metals in these shots, react to 5G. It's a nightmare because, again, these school environments are the least healthy place to possibly be, in particular, again, if you're jabbed or even unjabbed. This is not normal. Again, children do not get sick twice in the same month unless something else is going on. Unless, again, it is a biological attack that involves direct shedding from the jabbed to the unjabbed. This is a very real thing. And, of course, as you heard me say in the last episode, what is it that schools and apparently doctors and even school nurses are calling this? They're calling it back-to-school colds. Well, they just have back-to-school colds. Well, that depends. If it were a quote-unquote cold, they would be sneezing, they would be coughing, they would be blowing their nose, their mucus would be green, not clear, or is it that they just have fevers? If they have fevers and they're sweating and they're weak, that's 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 different. That's something else. That's not a quote unquote cold, or a dispelling of toxic cells in the body in the normal way in which the body gets rid of toxic cells. That's not that's not what that is. It's something else, which, as we know, it's the shots and it's the shedding, and then of course the five G element, as I just said. Uh, but I, I, ma- I made mention of that to him, to AJ, and he responded back. He said, the same has happened to my daughter when she's around her jabbed and boosted friends. As an aside, my daughter started homeschooling this year, but still sees her friends on weekends. Now, that's an awesome revelation, I think, to some extent, because again, if you recall previous episodes where AJ's been on, his his daughter was still attending the public schools and, you know, enjoyed the social life, so to speak, and all of that. But it's just awesome to finally hear that she's homeschooling. That's great. That's excellent news. Uh, He continued, and he said, my brother is weird too. He feels the same as we do on the vaccines, and I don't mind calling the COVID jabs vaccines as a way to discredit all vaccines. He's right about that. He then said, but his kids, 24 and 22, are fully vaxxed, as is his wife. He didn't even try to get them exempted or just talk them out of it. Doesn't think it's his problem, but it will be. He then said, last week I tried to talk a young college kid from getting a booster at Walgreens. And here's, here's the scenario that he lays out. And I would say this is a call to action to anybody. I know that it might be easier said than done in certain situations, and I fully understand that a lot of us who are unjabbed just say, you know what, they made their decision, it was a poor decision, and they're going to find out the hard way, but listen to this scenario. Uh, This might motivate you to get involved a little bit more. So again, he said, last week I tried to talk a young college kid from getting a booster at Walgreens. About my son's age and looked like him too. As I'm waiting in line, I noticed the kid and many others filling out a single-page form on a clipboard. wasn't positive what it was, but had a strong hunch. It was the vac- It was for the vaccine. So I ask him, "Are you here? Are you- what are you here for?" He says he's here to get the booster. I ask him why. He's caught off guard and after hesitating says, I'm going back to college soon and want to be protected around others. And then AJ says that he said, that AJ said to him, How does it protect you when it doesn't protect infection or transmission and there's no benefit, all risk? We don't know the long term consequences, but we know short term it causes serious side effects and death. My son is your age and I would never allow him to take it, and he knows better. You're in the lowest risk category, assuming any of this is real, with your 99.99% recovery rate after infection for your age. And then AJ said that he said back to him, the kid said back to him, I hadn't looked into it. And then in parentheses, AJ wrote, he's having second thoughts now. And then he said, so then the pharmacy worker calls me up. I can hear him in the background talking with his older masked female Palo Alto commie looking moron. Kid tells her, I came to get the booster, but after talking with this man, AJ, I'm not so sure. Old commie woman in mask says, if you want to take it, go for it. I'm finished and walk up within inches of his face and say, don't do it, don't do it. You have nothing to gain, everything to lose. Then I walked away. Did he get it? Question mark? Probably is my guess. Lots of others, mostly masked Asians, were lining up for it. Unquote. I absolutely applaud AJ for doing this. I applaud it. It takes knowledge. It it takes an awake person to be able to do that and not be afraid that the dead-asleep, already-jabbed individual has no idea what it is that they're doing and that they're not afraid of what that person's response might be back toward them. I'll give you even another story, and again, this happened recently, and I, I know I told people this. I just don't think I brought this up on the on the show here, but I was in Walgreens again, not that long ago. I think it was just last week. And as I was walking in, there was the sign outside of the door that said, Get your flu shot, get your COVID shot. You can get them both on the same day, available now, kind of thing, or make an appointment if you want to. It was that, you know, that placard thing that sits outside of the sliding glass doors. As I was walking in, I, I saw that, but then a woman was coming out who was not wearing a mask, and she had a smile on her face and was kind of laughing, sort of in embar- like an embarrassment laugh, but her eyes were big, and it was as if she, she saw something that was ridiculous that was taking place, or like she just had a, a strange reaction with someone. And I thought, uh-oh, you know what's going on? As soon as I walked in and I looked to my right, up against the wall there there were 3 elderly individuals i'm going to do my best to paint this picture there was an elderly man who looked like he was in charge of the other two they were all together i mean they were they weren't employees they were clearly either family members or something but they were all together and the elderly man who seemed like he was in charge wasn't wearing a mask there was an elderly woman in between the other two men and she was wearing a mask, and I believe at least two masks, a regular one and then an N95 on top of that. And her eyes were huge. I mean, we all know that look of the people that are still wearing the masks who have bought into this giant lie. I mean, they look, they look chaotic. And then behind her is an elderly man not wearing a mask, and he's, on a, and he's on a walker. And he's not saying anything. His head is kind of down, and he's sort of comatose. Um I I I go past them not that I like purposely walked next to them although I did later which was hilarious and I'll mention that in just a second but I walked down another aisle I got my product and I turned around and I and I I started to hear what they were talking about and they were talking about whether or not they could go in to the Walgreens because the elderly man who was in charge didn't have a mask And the woman is saying something to him through her mask, like, you need a mask. You you need to wear a mask. And he goes, look, I don't have a mask. Just follow me. It'll be okay. I don't have a mask. It's in my car. They had been having this conversation by the front door for, I would say, upwards of at least 30 to 60 seconds, probably well past 60 seconds, to be honest, because again, they were having this interaction by the front door inside the store before I even walked in. That's what the woman coming out was, re- was reacting to. And then I walked in, got my product, and, and started to make my way back toward the, the cash register, and they were still there. And so what I did was is I purposely walked right next to them. I could have gone down this other aisle, but I purposely walked next to them because I wanted to see what their reaction was. And then they started to walk. Once they saw me walking toward them, they started to walk in the opposite direction toward the back of the store, which as we all know is where everybody gets jabbed to death. And that's where the pharmacy is. So as I'm walking past the three of them, I kid you not, the woman does the does the avoidance move, that juke move that that they do, where they step away from you as if, you're contagious or you're going to make them ill or whatever. She was walking around sort of with her elbows out and her hands in as if to sort of just elbow people out of the way or whatever but she she clearly moved out of the way when I was walking past her and I just smiled. I just had a big smile on my face. And I thought to myself again, this right here is a perfect example, a real life example of someone who is lost. They're just lost, and there's no getting that back. You couldn't tie a person like that to a chair with the chair bolted to the ground and have them watch one of my bit shoot this is war videos and have them survive. They would probably hyperventilate even with a mask off because we would take the mask off if we were tying them to such a chair, but you know, you, you take them off and you have them watch one of these deprogramming education videos, as I like to call them, there, there's no way they'd be able to handle it. They would pass out from mental exhaustion. That right there, again, you can't fix. You can't fix that. But the Malay's response, so to speak, from the college student and all of those talking point answers that he gave AJ again it's worth trying to it's worth trying to fix and and stop them from taking it cuz we don't know we don't know what that kind of an intervention means for us and we don't know what kind of an intervention that means for them is that is that going to be an intervention that that saves their life it could be is it going to be an intervention that Prolongs their life even just a little bit. It could be. But who's to tell? Only God knows the answer to that. But either way, I applaud AJ for what what he's done. Um, The individuals, again, taking these have no idea that people are dying. Many of them still have no idea. And then the powers of rationalization have to always be taken into account here because, again, the individuals that are alive would say to themselves, well, they don't know anybody who's dead. So, because they don't know anybody who's dead, well, then people aren't dying. And then they would say, well, they themselves as jabbed people are fine, that they're not dead. So, it must, not be, it must not be for them. This must not be something that they're experiencing or going to experience. They don't know that either. They don't understand, again, as you've heard me lay out, the entire concept of poison and, and what poison does. It's not just designed to kill people the moment that it is induced into the body. It's designed to kill people later on in life. My parents once had a dog that was a white boxer. It was you know it was a pretty dog, rambunctious, but you know it was a it was a pretty dog, nonetheless when she was a puppy and not in the ownership of my parents, she got into antifreeze. It wasn't long before the dog passed away and ended up again with serious kidney failure. They recognized that it got into antifreeze because of some things that were happening with its skin and x y z, and then they got uh they got it tested, and then they found out again that this is this is what happens. Antifreeze is poison, and apparently there was no cure, and there was nothing that could be done allegedly, and uh, that it was a progressive thing that was going to cause the dog's death, and that's what happened. The dog did not live a long life. What wasn't my parents' fault again? This was this this accidental poisoning occurred before. Uh you know before my parents got a hold of the dog but that's that's the point is that's the concept of poison that's the way that it operates it operates differently within lots of different people some dogs drink antifreeze and they die very quickly other dogs not so much may even take years as it was in this particular dog's case but there you go but that leads me to this too which again this is this is where This is where the truth can get mixed in with lies. This comes from the expose very recently, just the other day, and it's titled Pfizer Accidentally Proves Original COVID Vaccine Destroys Immune System After Publishing Study for New Omicron Jab. So there are no Omicron variants. There's no variants that that entire variant thing is a lie. The point is, is that these jabs are just more potent the more that people take them, And the basic properties of math indicate that if you take a poison, a singular poison, even if it's the same amount of poison in each shot, and you take multiple shots, well, what does that mean for you? It means you're injecting yourselves with the same poison that you did before. And that's what they sort of end up proving here in their particular article. But I want to play this audio from this guy who has to, who has to be executed uh, for crimes against humanity, Anthony Fauci, and uh, give, again, his entire propaganda line a listen here. Because again, Rand Paul, of course, destroyed him in a eight to nine to 10 minute clip not that long ago, where again, Anthony Fauci was pointing blame at the FDA and the CDC for having committees. And Anthony's not on a committee, so he doesn't have any say in the matter and whatever else. But of course this dude is on television on a regular basis telling people to get all these jabs and do whatever they can but this is him specifically talking about boosters on uh, another individual's program so give this a listen
3: we have a uh, updated vaccine that serves as a boost as it were and is directed against the dominant circulating strain that's in society You have every reason to believe that that is going to be better than having a vaccine that isn't highly specific to the circulating strain. It hasn't been proven in a clinical trial because we don't have time to do a clinical trial because we need to get the vaccine out now because we have such a situation throughout the world. And certainly in the United States, we're having 400 deaths per day and up to 5,000 hospitals a day. Hospitalizations and that's predominantly, very, very heavily weighted towards BA45. we are moving towards a cadence that for most people, likely will be requiring a yearly annual updating of a vaccine in order to account for what will be the inevitable waning of immunity.
1: There are people over the last number of years who have become uh, vaccine hesitant. There are people who have become outright anti-vaxxers. There are people who believe conspiracy theories. The idea of the vaccine itself has become highly polarized and highly political. How concerned are you about uptake for something like what you just spoke about or even the the bivalent vaccines?
3: Well, obviously, the idea of vaccine hesitancy or even outright anti-vaxxing Is something that we're really concerned about uh, here in the United States and in many respects throughout the world. We have to do much more effort in communicating in simple terms what the scientific data is. And if we can get people to just appreciate what the evidence is, and not conspiracy theory, not made up things, but what the real evidence is, it points very strongly towards getting vaccinated and also keeping up with your boosters
0: again it's science fiction this entire thing is science fiction emphasis on the word fiction it's just fiction there are no variants there are no strains there are no societal strains nothing and again he's advocating for anybody to take it any as frequently as possible no matter what quote unquote fake strain is out in society. It doesn't matter. They want you dead. That's it. Don't have the time to do a clinical study, which means you are the study, and the study's not going very well. In fact, it's failed from a humanitarian standpoint, but it has succeeded from a depopulation standpoint, without a doubt. I'm going to end with this article. Again, why Fauci is still alive is beyond me. But uh, this comes from WND, and again, this has to do with the media. And there's positive and negative aspects to this, without a doubt. This, again, has to do with sort of the hidden agenda that is occurring behind the scenes, so to speak. I put out this woman's tweet on my war videos a while back, and even on Gab. But I don't think I brought it up on the show, so I want to do that now. This is from a while back on August 28th. And it's titled Disgusting. Former Fox producer drops bombshell on News Network. Quote, They're not on our side when it comes to this issue. They're cowards. It says the following A former news producer at Fox says she's enraged by disgusting behavior by the network in connection to its paid promotion of COVID vaccines and deceiving viewers about mandates to get the shot. Brianna Morello says she left Fox when the corporation forced employees to receive COVID vaccines and she dropped a bombshell as she claimed Fox Corporation was paid by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services to promote the jabs on the air. Quote, many people at Fox were upset. Nobody wants to talk about it, Brianna Morello told David and Stacy Whited or Witted at flyoverconservatives.com. She said, quote, but the company did take HHS money and in fact did force us to comply with the vaccine mandates that were already deemed illegal by the Supreme Court when Joe Biden tried implementing them, unquote. Uh, She noted Tucker Carlson is finally starting to question the official pro-vaccine government narrative, but says it's, quote, almost too late. She said, I, can't, I can only speak to what we went through, and they gave us hell for this. So I'm glad she's speaking out now, or I'm glad he's speaking out now, rather. Tucker Carlson, that is. I know that this isn't going to sit well with the executives. Morello now works with Emerald Robinson on The Absolute Truth and said, Emerald does a great piece on our Friday show, and she does a monologue about how Fox is changing their narrative and they're trying to spin it as if they aren't this pro-vax company. She said, quote, We do play a Sean Hannity clip where Sean Hannity does, in fact, encourage an audience to get the vaccine, and he doesn't disclose the fact that his network was paid by HHS to promote the vaccine, which is disgusting and is against every journalistic standard, and there's no accountability. Now they're backing away. We're seeing everyone back away from this vaccine back away from what they stood for this entire time, unquote. They called us crazy, Morello continued. They called us conspiracy theorists, and they wanted us to all go hungry, and they they all wanted us to go homeless, lose everything that we've ever worked for. Uh, They want us to lose our jobs. They want us to lose everything. I'm just getting enraged by just thinking about this, but these people knew what they were doing at the time they never stood up for any of us, unquote. Addressing Fox executives directly, she said, quote, you discriminated against us, you came swinging for all of us and made us all look like we were crazy. When I started tweeting that they were complying with the vaccine mandates, we had Fox and Friends anchors going on air and saying that they were not vaccinated and that there's no vaccine mandate at Fox. That's garbage. That's absolute garbage. They're intentionally going around the fact that they, com- they complied with a vaccine mandate in New York City that they knew was illegal. They're not on our side when it comes to this issue. They're cowards, but they're going to pretend like it is now, like pretend, like they're all on our side, unquote. It says Morello's br- blistering comments, come as more mysterious deaths are taking place, with some in media blaming them on reactions to COVID shots. And it just continues and continues and continues. Uh, I'm going to leave it there. This this again, I mean, she's 100% right again, and bless her for being courageous. And again, telling the truth is not a courageous thing. Just, just flip and tell the truth, that's all. And I'm glad that she has. Uh, the egg again, like I said at the beginning, the egg that's going to be on the faces of these individuals, and you can even see it in some of the interviews that they that they've done. Again, Brian Kilmeade talked with Steve Kirsch once, that was hilarious, and I even played that audio on the show. Seeing Brian Brian Kilmeade's face on Fox News was priceless. He just looked like it like a dude who had swallowed a giant crow. It was incredible, but these individuals, we have to remember who these people are. I mean, yes, many of these people get hired because they are brainwashed goons, and they just go along with it, and they think that the company that they're working for is remarkably nice and has their best interests at heart, and there's no way that they'd ever kill them. There's no way that they would ever lead them into some dangerous path. And they think the same thing about government, unfortunately, even though they report on government corruption all of the time. The hypocrisy is astounding. But that, too, again, shows how deep the brainwashing goes. And it is thick, without a doubt. So that wraps it up, ladies and gentlemen, for this episode. A lot of information there. I hope you share it with people you know, people you love, and, again, move the podcast around as much as you can, even if it's a text message to a random person. That would be sweet. I appreciate it, and I'll catch you on Friday. Take care. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.